There ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, get you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, need them in the summer. All winter without them is cute and every bummer. I forget all about the sweating and digging. Every time I go out, pick me up bigger. Yet another edition of Yard and Garden Live. Another and the last uh, for this year. But don't worry, we'll be back next year. And today, we got a couple of good ones for you. Of course, Nicole Stoner's here. And along with her and her guests, they're going to solve all your problems. uh, From uh, anything that's growing or not growing the way it should be growing. All you have to do is give us a call. Yard and Garden Live, 402-729-3383. A little applause now for Ms. Nicole. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, good good morning. Good morning, ma'am. Good morning. How no, are make you? Sure, make sure you're on here. Am I on? There we go. Yeah, I sound we, better now. No, now we're on. All right. Uh, and why don't you, while you're at it, just tell everybody who you brought along. I brought with me Lori Stepanek. And she is the Forest Health Management Specialist with the Nebraska Forest Service. So welcome. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Am I on now? Yeah, You are. You're good. You're good. Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. Okay, good. Is it too loud? (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. We'll try to get everything corrected. And uh, so everybody's hearing is a little different. So, you know, those always need to be adjusted a little bit. Mm -hmm. But they're okay. It's it's good for me. Okay, yep, yep, it, the 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 cha- the the challenge will be when we get a call, and make sure that you can hear your call. You don't need to hear me, you know. <laughs> but the calls we need for you to be able to hear. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three four zero two seven two nine three three eight three is our phone number on Yard and Garden Live. So, uh, kind of. Looking at the radar, and, you know, there's still some showers out there to the south and to the west of us. This is generally where we pick up our rain. Uh, down in Kansas, from Pratt, the Great Bend, uh, to west of Concordia and Bell and Belleville. So, who knows? We might see a, a shower before, be good. before it clears out. You know, it's, uh, it, and this is a time of year when I really don't, know that i want to go on the air and beg for rain because we got a lot of people <laughs> well, who are out true. there trying to uh to, uh, harvest. to harvest right and especially some of the dry land mm-hmm. crops uh are starting to get harvest harvested so mm-hmm. uh but you know generally rain is always a good thing right that's right yeah All right. you know you don't want to go into the winter with dry soils um, it's really hard on your plants, trees especially. That's true, mm. that's it's true. It's very, very hard on them, um, and that's where we see a lot more winter injury mm-hmm. when it's a dry fall and a dry winter. 
Exactly. In fact, um, we do uh, suggest watering trees in the late summer uh, into fall um, if your soils are needing it because that actually helps uh, hydrate those trees a little better and um, helps protect them from that uh, winter desiccation injury mm -hmm. that uh, especially the conifers, the right. evergreen trees will experience if, if they don't have a lot of good moisture in their tissues mm -hmm. heading into the winter, they, they can experience some, some drying out in the winter time. And those, you know, that soil moisture, if you got some soil moisture in there, that helps to moderate the soil temperatures as well. So you don't get so much fluctuation uh, in soil temperatures, right. uh, which can, you know, really cause a lot of root damage to those mm -hmm. trees. So I, you know, I recommend going out, checking your soils. Um, if they're, they're seeming a little dry, yes, this is a good time to, to get some water on those trees. Mm -hmm. And a good way you can check that is to just use a screwdriver, stick it in the soil around the, where the roots are. If it comes out and powdery and doesn't go in very far, very easily, might need a drink, if it comes out, you know, a little more mud-like, might be okay. Yeah. It's kind of a, a situation where if you have a dry soil, it, it's very tough to get a screwdriver down into right. that soil. Yep. So if it's just, if it's, there's a lot of resistance there, you've probably got some pretty dry soils in there and, yeah. and you may need to add some water. Right. I know a lot of people don't think about, you know, watering their trees during the winter. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it just has to do, you know, you've, you've got your hoses put away right. and they're all coiled up in the storage shed somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, with good intentions uh, sometimes uh, aren't enough. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes, um, you know, once a month or so, if we get a warm day and we're having a dry, windy winter, sure, not a lot of snow cover, if we're getting a day where it's 45, 50 degrees, it might not be a bad idea to go out midday, water your trees, and then make sure you, um, you know, empty out that hose as best you can sure. before yeah. you put it away so it doesn't freeze up. And yeah, you still drink. want that slow trickle type right. of, yeah. uh, of yep. watering. Yep. A good soaking soil. And, you know, it's interesting. In, in many of our winters, the soils are frozen, and that limits the ability of those trees those roots to pick up that soil so if you have a good so frozen soils but a very warm and windy day mm -hmm. sunny day mm -hmm. you know especially your evergreens are going to continue to lose water now we have um in some of our years uh our soils are not freezing because we're not getting down the temperatures are not getting cold mm -hmm. enough and so then you end up again with with some drier soils mm -hmm. and so yes it's it's good to water then too mm -hmm. yeah I, I think it would correct me if i'm wrong but i think it'd be really important especially if you've you know planted a, a tree this spring mm -hmm. and it's you know still getting established yeah. um, you definitely want to take care of that and the the evergreens they're kind of like in business all year long, right? Yeah, that's right. And we don't think of our other trees being in business all year long, but they kind of are anyway, right? Yeah. Like our, you know, the oaks and the maples and mm -hmm. uh, those trees, even though they lose their their leaves, are kind of buttoned up for the winter, but right. there's still, still a little activity going on. Yeah, but your evergreens are going to transpire through the winter. And if your transpiration exceeds what they can take in through their roots, then that's where you get that desiccation happening. Yeah. And so... Lori, I, I guess, what's your opinion on the anti-desiccants during the winter months? Those can help keep that down, 
it kind of puts a waxy coating on those needles so that it holds that moisture in rather than allowing the tree to release it, correct? Right, right. So there are antidesicants that can help limit that water loss through the evergreen foliage. Um, there, I'm, I'm kind of... Mm, Kind of 50-50, I guess, on, on that yeah. because, you know, while that can definitely help the trees uh, with water loss, um, it also is, um, you know, adding a layer of, of chemical to that foliage mm -hmm. and um, could potentially interfere a little bit with, okay. with, with the tree's um, ability to photosynthesize. But right. um you know, it's something to consider if, yeah, if, if you've got I, a lot of problems with yeah, something. Yeah, and I mean, my preference would be to, to, if you're able to water, do that. But, you know, some of our, you know, large acreages or areas where you just can't get water to those trees very easily, mm -hmm. that might be something to consider. Yeah, I've always kind of mm -hmm. been on the fence on that one as well. Yeah. I'm not really either side, you know, yeah. for it or, get, or against it. I think they yeah. can be productive, but like you said kind of interferes mm -hmm. with the tree's processes so yeah. let's turn on the microphone maybe <laughs> people there we go 402-729-3383 402-729-3383 if you have a question or um, you just want to ask about anything i you know we're kind of here at the end of the end of the season and uh, not a lot of calls come in at this time of the year like they do in the spring and that's okay but you maybe you have a question about uh your asparagus which is probably starting to turn just a little bit just a little bit but still pretty green maybe you've got some red things hanging on your mm -hmm. asparagus and you wonder what that's all about uh if you uh have a first year bed going in or you haven't maybe moved into a place that uh, you're lucky uh, that asparagus popped out of the ground this spring. You go, wow! I didn't didn't expect. Sometimes you know, it sneaks up on you. you didn't you, expect especially this. at new places. Yeah, especially when you uh, <laughs> when you uh, buy new property, and that's an, another thing. A lot of people might have a question on. They did buy some property or a new, you know, and now they're in a brand new landscape, and they have questions about some plant that they had never had before the first year at a new home with an existing landscape is fun <laughs> yeah because you find yeah. stuff you didn't know you had yeah, yeah. it's uh, like the that, naked ladies yeah. right yeah it's yeah. like yes. hello where did you guys come from huh it's so much fun yeah <laughs> i want to hear about the asparagus and the little red things that you're yeah. talking about tell me because yeah. i i'd like to put in some asparagus oh. in my own yard and oh, yeah and i'm going what are these little red things you're talking <laughs> yeah. about let me tell you asparagus <laughs> is like the gift the, that keeps oh, on giving it really is it's just gonna go out there and work hard for and you it's so delicious. especially once you get it started right mm -hmm. here is doug calling all the way from johnson hi doug hello hi yeah i thought i lost it for a moment i got a couple questions i gotta ask you okay uh on on baby dogwoods bushes uh i've been trim i trimmed them already you know the extra shoots come up but they i read that you're supposed to put wood chips around them what's the difference between that and grass as long as you get a good mat that's a good water. question why can't you use grass as a uh, as a mulch you could in, okay in this case um just make sure it hasn't been treated with any chemicals through the season 
that's where we run into problems. So if you fertilized or put pesticides on your lawn, that can do damage if you use that as a mulch around those. But um, I think, you know, you can use grass clippings around them as well, wouldn't you say, Lori? Um, yeah, the, uh, I um, I do prefer the wood chips myself. Um, the grass clippings do have a tendency to um, mat together mm -hmm. pretty pretty easily. And when they do that, then they start to create an impervious layer so that you're not getting gas exchange oxygen down into that soil level. And sometimes they will actually um, create such an impervious layer that if you're watering, then you, you've got just really, really wet soils underneath that grass. If you're not watering, then maybe sometimes it sheds the rainwater too easily and it gets really dry under there. The wood chips, on the other hand, don't pack together and mat together like grass clippings do. So you end up with more air space within the wood chip layer and that allows for better, you know, gas exchange with the soil. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you could use some grass clippings, but I would mix it in with wood chips. Or bark chips. Okay, well, it makes sense on the mountain part, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that either, but but I use them in my garden, which we're not supposed to do. But uh, no, you but can use them but well. you know, I kind of you know, it it, it makes a, a tough a tough uh, cover for weeds to come yes. up through, yes. and so I kind of I kind of uh, I kind of like that. Did did you have another question, Doug? Yeah, I Go don't know. Like this in here is kind of a. <laughs> off the wall deal, whatever you want to call it. But I put in my uh, fall crop of radishes and lettuce. Okay. And needs to say they're peeking through already. Yeah. So maybe oh. I'll, it can't be any worse my first crop this year. It didn't matter. I might as well left the seed in the bag. <laughs> you know, cause yeah. It, just, it didn't amount to dilly nothing. That's just what it amounts to. You know what? Yeah. A lot of people had gardens that, Met, amounted to diddly nothing, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, but the radishes are are poking up, and so is the lettuce, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, keep your yeah. fingers crossed. You get a lot of nice, nice growing weather before it turns cold, and have some fresh radishes. So, huh? yeah, my tomatoes. I mother left them in the nursery this year because I got just as many tomatoes from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. It's a tough year. I understand. Last I'm in the year, same boat. Same goddamn same raised bed, but I moved into a different end. The soil was all, you know, put in the same everything, same time. And needless to say, I planted eight tomato plants in two different times total, and I got one goddamn tomato size of a golf ball. And I thought I just said you could go right right with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't think it had anything to do with your soil or your beds. I think it had more uh, to do with just the the weather. The weather. It was a it difficult was a year. year. Yeah. Yep. You're not last year I had tomatoes in the same place more than I could get rid of. I couldn't give them away. Yeah. Now you this should... year, totally different deal. And you should remember to rotate your crops. You don't want to plant them in the same yeah, spot every year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Especially on tomatoes, they're real yep. touchy on that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I've gardened for good guys since. 70, 1970, and I never had a year like this. It, it just, everything was, it, it was a backward year, you know. Yeah, it was. That's for sure. I agree. Yeah. 
All right. Well, okay, and then uh, we'll look to listen to you people next year, and you have done one crack-up job, each and every one of you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Doug, man, oh, man, your check is in the mail, okay? <laughs> well, you got the old man right because I'm, I'm looking at 77 next wow. year. Wow, all right. Well, congrats. We'll talk to you about your garden next spring, okay? All righty. Okay, Please, and thank you. You bet. Thank Please you. do call. Uh, and uh, we have a gentleman that has walked into the studio. That, that microphone's hot there. If they have any questions for you, that one's hot. So uh, you brought in, uh, are these oak trees? Yeah. Pin oak. Pin oak, yeah. And they come from around the area? Yes. Uh, they've, they've had the dieback on the ends like that pretty much mm-hmm. all summer, and mm-hmm. it's, all over the whole tree there are about five trees in a row there it's funny because there is a tree along that same row that actually has severe iron chlorosis and it doesn't have the same Hmm. nearly as bad as what what these trees have do i know where these trees are yeah in my area yep they're over on h street yeah okay and these trees are how old i mean these are these are these are old trees. Uh, around eighty years old. Yeah, eighty to ninety year old trees. But uh, every year it gets a little worse. That, uh, but it's it's pretty much around the whole trees. It's not just one side. And is this year after year after year you've noticed or? Yeah, it's it's been that way. I, it gets worse every year, but it's been ongoing that I know of for probably about eight years. Man. Mm-hmm. Lori, you want to talk about it? Oh, sure. So uh, so these samples that you brought in um, have a number of different issues that I see here. And the most prominent is, as you said, there are these dead um, uh clumps of leaves at the tips of the of the twigs and um we are seeing quite a bit of this mm-hmm. uh this is um an insect called oak twig girdler and what it is is um the it's a very very small um the adult is a beetle and that small beetle lays eggs on the twig and a little tiny larva hatches from that egg and tunnels into that twig and starts feeding inside of that twig, um, basically killing that tissue from the inside out. And so then that twig tip dies. And so the, you get these clumps of leaves at the tip that then just die because that twig has been eaten out from the inside. And so if you were to very carefully peel through the twig right at this time of the year, you can actually find these tiny, tiny little larvae in there. They're very small. I actually looked at one this week and measured it, and it's like an eighth of an inch long. It's very tiny, so very hard to find. Um, These tend to, this is oak twig girdler, and we see a lot of them on the pin oaks and red oaks, and we've been seeing an awful lot of it this Mm -hmm. year. And it's been a kind of a recurring problem for several years now. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend, they t- have a two year life cycle. So we tend to see a little more 
uh, of this type of dieback, which we're, we call flagging. So little, the little clumps of leaves that die at the end of the twig is considered a flag because it looks, it's so definitely different from the green of the rest of the foliage. So you got these flags. And we usually see a lot of flagging from oak twig girdler in odd numbered years. So this is 2021. So most of the time we see a lot of this flagging in the odd number years. We'll, we'll probably see a little bit of it next year, maybe not quite as much as this year. Um, but then again, in 2023, we'll probably see a lot of it again. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Well, they yeah. have calendars it's, or what? Well, yeah. yeah, they, 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 have like a they know. They've got secretaries that go, okay, this is the year, guys. It takes them a couple years takes, to get through the process. That's yes. right. That's gotcha. right. So, <laughs> and it's really not harmful, that harmful to the tree. Um, it is causing some twig, quite a bit of, of um, appearance, mm -hmm. uh, aesthetic, um, uh, disfigurement, but it's really not particularly harmful to the tree. Mm -hmm. So we don't recommend a control on it. Um, we just say, you know, it's, it's going to cause a little bit of this tip die back. Your trees are going to look kind of bad this time, you know, in the summer. Um, but we don't recommend any kind of a treatment on it. And the other thing with so, that is when we get a storm or a very windy day, those will start breaking out and falling. Right. And then, then people will wonder what all these little branches are in their yeah. in their yard if they didn't notice the flagging, yeah. you know. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned more than one issue yeah, there that you saw. There's a, there's a few issues here. So um, uh, I think there's a little bit of, of chlorosis, which is very common in the pin oak, which um, can be very difficult to control just because there's a lot of other uh uh, soil issues that enter into um, why trees are unable to pick up that micronutrient. The, these trees have been so. um, injected, have they not, at one time? Those, those trees have actually just got injected about a month ago. Okay. For iron? For iron. Okay. So That's that... why, I mean, we went, the trees that have the severe dieback, there's three of them. And then the next door neighbor has one that's severely iron chlorosis that's not as bad. And mm -hmm. then he has another one that's uh, about as bad as what these trees are as far as the dieback. As far as the dieback. Okay. Yeah, they, they had just been treated about a month ago for iron chlorosis. Okay. And so there's also um, on one of these samples. Yep. So there is a um, an insect called oak kermes scale. Um, which also attacks twigs uh -huh. of oak trees and can also cause some of that same type of flagging or, or tip death, which causes those leaves to die back. Um, and so we see this also sometimes in our oak trees as well. Um, I only see on this sample just these two little, what oak, oak kermy scales look like is that they look like these little tiny grayish, tiny marbles. Okay just sticking there on the twig. And um, it's a little insect that um, basically sucks out the fluids of the twig. And, um, and we are seeing a lot of this oak kermy scale also in some of our oak trees. So we have that issue going on here. And then on the reverse side of these leaves, uh, the leaves um, are very white looking with tiny little black dots on them. Um, and this is a powdery mildew fungus. 
that's growing on these leaves. And we see a lot of powdery mildew this year on many plants uh, because of of our humidity levels. It's been very moist and powdery mildew does very well when our humidity levels are high. So, you know, my peonies don't look very good this year. You're not, you're right. Yep. Yep, Because they got that that. white powdery mildew on them and oaks also often get powdery mildew as well. So, um, and there is also a little bit of distortion on these leaves, um, uh, which is typical for um, oaks because they're very sensitive to herbicides. And so um, a lot of our growth regulator type herbicides, such as 2,4-D or dicamba, um, will cause distortions of leaf tissue in many plants and oaks are particularly susceptible to that. So, um, and that's a tough one to deal with because um, herbicides are quite prevalent in our in our yeah. landscapes and crop fields. And so, um, you know, actually, the you know, looking at these samples, yeah, they look bad. Um, you know, the herbicide is probably to me one of the more damaging type things that affect oak trees. The chlorosis is going to be a problem in the trees, but I wouldn't worry too much about the oak twig girdler or the um, powdery mildew. Well, the twig girdler is a big issue because after the wind, I mean, they want a nice looking lawn and mm-hmm. they don't want don't want to spend four hours out there picking up picking up leaves picking, picking up, up twigs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a every other day deal. So. Yeah. Yes, but it's going to be every other year, right? Kind of? Typically every other year. Um, now, uh, this is a, an insect that is actually in the same um, family or genus um, as the emerald ash borer. They are very closely related, actually, but this is a native, native insect, and emerald ash borer is an right. exotic insect. So um, some of the same chemicals that are used for controlling emerald ash borer, such as your imidacloprid um, or your dinotefrin, can also be used on, on oak twig girdler and probably would be effective if you wanted to, to try something. Is that something you water in? Uh, you can do a soil application of imidacloprid. Yeah. Something you could try if you wanted to try and control You can it. leave them here. You can leave them here. I'll take care of your I'll take care of your rubbish. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. Once again, uh, this is Yard and Garden Live. We're going to take a quick time out, uh, do, uh, do an ER check here, and we'll be back with more after this time out. Yard and Garden Live on a Friday morning. We're at 1030 now, uh, and we have open lines for you at 402 729 now if you have any kind of problem you know the the ladies can help figure it out for you and i gotta tell you if you got a tree problem i think we've got pretty much the answers to most of those uh, especially if you can bring (laughs) bring in a branch um i i was like stunned you know you start well it's got this 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 and this but uh but by far, probably the only thing that's real, real uh, uh, is the chlorosis, right? 
Yeah, and the chlorosis is effect, does affect a lot of our trees, and um, it's one of the more difficult things to, to try to, to, to treat. Yeah. yeah, to yeah. try to control or mm-hmm. help you, out. You know, you see where you can treat for chlorosis, but then eventually they just start to basically, like, it's, it's one weakness that causes more and more dieback. Right, right. And so sometimes we can treat for them, and, and they'll be fine, and sometimes we treat for it, and... They are not. Right. And they just event, they just keep on continuing to right. decline. Yeah. The, 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 the main problem with chlorosis um, is usually in trees that are planted in, in high pH soils, which um, basically pH levels above 7 um, are sort of your alkaline soils. And that alkalinity ties up um, micronutrients in the soil and makes it hard for the trees to pick up those micronutrients, particularly iron and manganese. Um, and so uh, you can you can uh, try to lower the pH using, you know, like sulfur treatments on the soil, but it's, it's pretty difficult to lower mm-hmm. pH levels of soil. Yeah. And uh, you, you can um, attempt it. Um, it may or may not work, and it may... It, may need to be retreated every few years to bring that because mm-hmm. that that soil will tend to want to go back yep. to its original level pH level and then there's so many conf- uh, complicating factors with chlorosis because you know if you've got if you're overwatering or underwatering uh, that can limit the ability of those roots to pick up those micronutrients um, if you're over fertilizing you know nitrogen fertilizers actually can can interfere with iron pickup and and make your trees look chlorotic as well. Mm. So, yeah, any, anything that's affecting the, the health of the root system um, can affect the, the ability of those roots to pick up those micronutrients and, cause, and then result in chlorosis. And the does the age of the tree have any factor at all? Well, um, chlorosis often is fairly slow to develop in trees. You may see them in young trees, mm. but... Um, Usually, you see uh, more severe symptoms in older trees because they've been growing in those soils for years and years and years. Yeah. So yeah, that's like you know eighty eighty year old trees, and man, you just <laughs> you yeah, hate they, to lose you hate to lose any one of them. They struggle along. They'll yeah. struggle along with you know with these problems, but it does make them a little more susceptible than to other. Yeah. Other pests. All right. Yeah. 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. If you've got any questions at all about trees or about uh, gardening or about how to put your garden to bed for the winter, because uh, that's going to be here before we know it, that kind of time. Right now, uh, you're probably getting... Uh, you know, tomatoes and mm-hmm. and and cucumbers out of your garden. Mm-hmm. And if you had cantaloupe, oh, melons. Oh, I just picked my that big one that I told you I've yes, been watching. Yes, did, did you bring I it in? I finally picked it the other day, and it pulled right off of the stem. Yeah, it just kind of rolled right off. Ooh, it was delicious. Was it good? good? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I had some with my lunch today. That's mm-hmm. always a bonus, isn't it? Yep, it's man. good. Yeah. Good. Fresh grown, homegrown. Your cantaloupe. own grown. I know. Yes. Yes. It's only the second one, I think, that I got out of there. So Yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, my garden didn't do very well this year. Yeah, mine. Yeah, I generally do well with cantaloupe, but not this not year. Not this year. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. one the size of a softball. <laughs> not good. 
Not good. Hi, John. This is John from Beatrice, guys. You got a question? Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I got I got some uh, spots where I had trees planted years ago, and uh, now I'm starting to get a bunch of these about two-inch holes uh, where the stumps used to be. Can you tell me my, what might that be? Like holes in the ground because the stump is completely gone? Right. The stump's gone, and now I'm getting holes in the ground, and it's starting to get so many of them that it's starting to uh, cave in. Hey, John, where do, where, where do you live? Do you live in Beatrice? Do you live in the country? Do you have critters? I live in Beatrice. You don't have... Okay. So you don't really see a lot of critters. You don't... You haven't come across like a raccoon or a skunk or... Nope. I'm thinking, could it be, be a snake? Or no. could it be like, uh, <laughs> uh, what are these wasp things that oh. live in the ground? How, how large are these holes in diameter? About two inches. About two inches. And you said now they're caving in. What did you do to get rid of the stump when you got rid of it? Just had them de-stump it, and then I put dirt in there. Okay. So, I mean, it could be that um, it's... Um, not or that it you didn't get it filled tight enough with soil and it's starting to cave in um, the holes themselves you know two inches across that would be well you is know that ground squirrel size that that is and you know shrew yeah. also like to get in to where tree stumps have been because as they rot out, it's easy to dig along the... Mm-hmm. They, that and this be. is from Larry Germer a long time okay, ago. that could okay. be. So, you know, it, but it's not a snake. Mm, I don't think so. No, yeah. not yeah. a snake. Yeah, and it, yeah. the, yeah. like if it was bees or, or wasps or something like that... Then right, yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering. It doesn't... Them, yeah. Wasps or whatever. I don't think so. That That's too so. large. Yeah. I've built this mm-hmm. in like three times now, you know, put dirt over it and packed it and then seeded it and it seeded in good. And then all of a sudden it, it, the holes start showing up again. I, all I can think is that you probably still had some major root systems in there mm-hmm. and those are con- continuing to decay and um, allowing then the, the soil to kind of settle some more. And then okay. there must be some type of a creature that's potentially finding that a good place to yeah. to burrow in. Maybe it could be a vole yeah. or a shrew or something like yeah. it. And, it. and if you don't have a, a dog or a cat, uh, nope. you you can you know you can actually if you got like little snap traps, mm-hmm. you could you could okay. set a set a couple of those out. Maybe bait them with uh, peanut butter. Uh, the crunchy, so you got a little seed in there mm-hmm. as well as peanut butter, and just see if they. You might not catch anything, but if it's tra- you know, snapped, then you know, well, something's right. been there. So I, you know, it's hard telling. Okay, we'll give that a try. Yeah, good luck. Do. Good luck. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's old Trapper John from Beatrice. The question here on Garden Garden Live four zero two seven two nine three three eight three four zero two seven two nine. Three three eight three on yard and garden live. I I like I like I, I like it when I uh, have an opportunity to go out and set traps in my yard. I feel like you know I feel like an old mountain man with his trap line. I you know I get up early in the morning, I trudge out there, see if I've got any 
varmints in my traps. Now, I am picturing Tom and Jerry <laughs> yeah. right now, that your yard is just completely covered with yeah. a bunch of traps. Yeah, and then I tried to put little flags in there so <laughs> if, if mom is out walking the dog, she knows that, no, nah, we better not go over there. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Four, 402-729-3383. We have a, definitely have a vole problem in our in our neighborhood. Have a neighbor who uh, has uh, bought a uh, one of those high sonic noise things that you can't hear, but it thumps in the ground. And he's saying, hey, it's, it's working for him. But I think what's happening, John, is all you're doing is chasing all your damn voles over to Randy's house. <laughs> you got to cut that out. Let's get them trapped. 402 729 3383 we'd love to hear from you on yard and garden live and uh you you mentioned that uh you you were thinking about putting in some asparagus right yeah do yeah. you do you garden normally I, I have a little bit of a garden um each year but uh nothing too extensive but I would love to have some asparagus some, yeah. sometimes. Well-drained so. area, right? That's basically... Yeah, it's not as bad as the rhubarb is with that. Okay. But, um, either way, I mean, it's it's pretty easy. The only thing with asparagus is it's it, you're supposed to dig it very deep when you plant it. Yeah. Dig it and, deep you, you know, you get it. tired of digging that deep. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when you after you dig this deep trench and you put mm -hmm. it in... You only cover up right. just a little bit yeah. until they start poking through. Right. So the first year you've got something to do to keep your mind occupied. Mm -hmm. So because then you start putting more dirt uh, on them. But then uh, the second year is the tough year. You just keep your hands off of them. I know. And I, I know. I'm can, supposed to give you it. You can a do some light years. harvesting the second yeah. year, um, but don't go full harvest. Like just do like one or two meals worth the first year, and then the third or the second year. Um, and then the third year you can, you can, you know, you just want to allow it to really get established before you start doing too much harvest from it. And the, the red things that Randy was talking about, that would be the seeds. Okay. Yeah. So there are male and female asparagus plants. You may not have any red things on yours because yeah. you might have the male plants. Um, and it really doesn't matter which one you plant. Um, if you do the female, if you plant the female plants, um, then they might spread a little bit more, you know, naturally, but, um, you can go either way on that and it's just fine. Um, and there's some really great new varieties. I think like Martha Washington is one of them that we use a yeah, lot. Yeah. You got of. the greens and, and now Jersey you got Giants, the great and the purple. purple. There's a yeah, purple. Now. Really I have purples. some purple planted. So it's like that, you know, and the, and the other thing that you want to keep in mind is that after they grow and after you quit harvest and they start getting leggy. And you so you'll just quit going out. And by the end of the summer, like right now, you're going to have a huge bush that's not all that attractive. Mm -hmm. It's really not. It's really not. But and you do want to leave messy. it grow all, yes. all summer mm -hmm. yeah. because Bingo. That's... Yeah. You don't want it to take it out until after frost. Um, yeah. Once it turns brown in the uh, okay. in the fall. And it, it's hard to manage the weeds in asparagus. That's mm -hmm. probably your biggest issue. It's my biggest issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Um, and really mulch, um, you can preen. You can use preen on there as long as it's the one labeled for use in asparagus, but you put it on very early. Yep. Um, you you can use Roundup yeah. early, early, early as long as there's mm -hmm. no 
no green no green poking uh, through and you can do it late or after you're done harvesting too when you clean that whole bed off you can as long as there's no green showing you can spray it with round gotcha yeah okay mm-hmm. well there you go that's All everything right. we yeah, know that is yeah so, go ahead nicole has a question go oh ahead. i thought we we're gonna take the caller oh i'm sorry yeah we do we have thank you thank you for reminding me <laughs> we have uh this is a, a gauge county day let me see uh this is diane hi diane you have a question Yes, I have two. Uh, I want to transplant an old peony, and it's been planted for probably 30 years. It's very woody, and I do have it dug up, and a lot of dead boar and so on in it. Do I use a saw to saw it apart? so that I can get a piece that has a growing eye on it to transplant. You should be able to just cut it apart with a um, spade, like a shovel. The pointed, make sure it's a pointed one rather than the squared off one. And you should be able to pull them apart that way. And you do want to make sure there's two or three eyes on each division piece. But you said it's and a it's a woody it's fairly woody then oh yes very woody I want I think there may be woody types of peonies too like the tree peonies the tree peonies mm-hmm. maybe are woodier I I'm not too familiar with mm-hmm. them uh, but no, yeah if if it's you can't not a tree peony it's, not it's tree a, peony. a bush it's just a regular herbaceous bush that would die back every year yes okay mm-hmm. I I can't imagine that it would be. I, I you know, particularly yeah. woody. The your, the root system is what you're saying is seems very woody. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. It's okay, just well, it's just probably um, very is tough. that masked up. Yeah. You know yeah, because they, it has. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, it's, she yeah. said it's been 30 years 30 since years. it's been divided or anything like that. So it's going to take um, some okay. elbow grease, I would think. But I don't think I would go with a saw um, because you might end up doing more damage than than good with that. I think you'd be better off if you can get a spade and just, you know, hack through it. Boy, sometimes they are tough, know, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are tough. Uh, have you uh, have you ever transplanted a peony before? Yes, and I think my problem is in transplanting them, I get them too deep. Bingo. Yes, you yes. got it. You know all yep. about that then. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you yeah. want to stay at the same depth that they were already planted yeah, in. Yeah, you're absolutely right yeah. there. But I would, I would, yeah, as Nicole said, I would, you know, make sure you've got a, a two or three or four eyes there rather than mm-hmm. just a single, just in case, you know, that one were to die, you've got some backup there. After digging that out, I don't know whether it's worth trying. To <laughs> <decide>. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you wonder, don't you? Yeah, and you had another question? I have another question, too. On Backyard Farmer, one of the gentlemen said to use cardboard for mulch and then put mulch on top of the cardboard. Mm-hmm. Do I use cardboard that has no paint on it because some of the cardboard has a the whole piece is painted and then the letters are put on it? and so on and so forth, and then there's cardboard that is just has a stamp on it. It's probably ink, but I get, I get, the, I get the question. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, they, they tell you when you compost, uh, 
that cardboard is a great a great item to throw in your compost, but avoid that that mm -hmm. might have ink on it, they yeah, say. I would think I, it may not break down as well. Yeah. Would be the issue. I mean, I, if yeah. it's got a little bit on it, I, you know, probably not that big of a deal. But, yeah, if it's a piece of white cardboard, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've used cardboard, too, for mulch in various situations. And I do actually tend to avoid the one, the pieces that have a lot of printing on them. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, I don't know what that chemical is that is used for the printing, but it's probably um, not probably food probably not Re soybeans. yeah, yeah. probably uh, not plant for plant plants. based yeah, yeah. I, you know you just i don't know it's it's probably uh, you know not that big a deal but you know i i uh i i just tend to pat bypass they, one like yeah. that yeah they said after you put the cardboard down put your mulch on top mm -hmm. right Right, and you got to have something do, to hold it in place. Mm -hmm. Do I kind of punch holes in the cardboard, or will it get damp enough to let the moisture oh, go through? I what you're saying. It right. should get damp enough, and it'll break down to where the moisture would get through. Yeah. You could certainly use maybe a little bit thinner layer of mulch on top to help um, allow more of that moisture in there. Um, I actually use garden staples to help hold down the cardboard a little better as well but that's you know, what i thought i would use also yeah so that can help a little bit with you know and then it just sort of naturally breaks down over time okay thank you very much well thank yeah. you thank, thank you, you Di diane. diane let's uh talk with stan who uh who isn't in gage county he's calling from chester hello stan what's going on hey um i guess i got a couple questions there was, the last caller talked a little bit about peonies. How soon can you whack those off without killing them? You want to wait until they turn brown in the fall. They'll tell you when it's time to cut them back. And then oh, if, well, <laughs> that's a long time. They're just pretty much worthless to me after about two weeks of blooming. But well, that's true. Right. But, but if, if you like the blooms, you yeah. got to live with the with the, letting them live and rejuvenate their their roots, right, Nicole? Yeah, if you cut them back too early in the season, they can't develop all the sugars that they need and then move those to the roots. So, like now, they have developed all those sugars, but they haven't moved them all back down to the roots. And so if you cut that off, it's going to take that those sugars out, and um, it's harder for the plant to get going and flower next year. See, and that's the, the, the key there is it's harder, which means that if you do it, you know, next year you might have, you still might have as many blooms as you want. But if you continue to do it, sooner or later, you're not going to have any blooms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that might not be a bad thing. <laughs> well, it just doesn't, you know, Stan, it just sounds like to me, you just need to get those peonies out of your, uh, out of your uh, landscape. Yeah, but that's not a... I, I can't make that decision alone. So. I got gotcha. you. Boy, I know where that's headed. Okay, but yeah. um, I assume this is a uh, spouse situation, and the spouse would not be happy if, if, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty if sure the that's flowers are gone. That's where Stan's Something headed. like that. Yeah, yeah so you better wait until, they're, <laughs> until they turn brown in the fall so you don't make her mad. All right. Now, there hey, might I got be... another question if you have a minute. You yeah. bet. Absolutely. 
So I asked this question probably a couple months ago, and I didn't have pen and paper, and it was a couple months ago, so I've forgotten all that. I want to put in a, a privacy hedge kind of at the in a small area in my backyard. It's probably 10 feet wide by 40 feet long, and uh, so I'm just looking for some specimens to put in there that would maybe eventually get, you know, probably no more than... 15 feet tall to avoid the power lines and stuff. It's something that would fill in pretty good. I remember uh, this question. I do too. And we had great answers, and I can't remember them now, Stan. Wait, wait, what week did you Good call, luck. Stan? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to, and you, are you looking for something that you want to have uh, evergreen? And in, in other words, you, yep. you, you want the screen in the winter and the summer? Yep. yep. Yeah. I'd prefer to have some, you know, you can. Price it up on the corners with, you know, different different things, I guess, for the summertime, but would like something more of an evergreen or arborvitae or something that would, mm-hmm. would sure. go along there. But Sure. Yeah, I was thinking arborvitae might be uh, an option. But The uh, concern I have with arborvitae as a hedge is the issue with winter injury that they tend to get. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like arborvitae as a, a, a windbreak like, type win, or, or hedge type. Um, because okay. I've seen too many times where the whole thing is half brown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's my concern with arborvitae. Yeah. I um, I think it's one of the better ones that handles your soil moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, How about was, you? Um, you know, use. There there's certainly use. a lot of good use out there, yeah, and, and they're pretty tough, sun or shade. Um, and they don't have spikes on them. You know, uh, barberry? That stuff, barberry. barberry, It doesn't really keep all of the its leaves through the winter, Mm -hmm. but it's so thick, it still kind of gives you a barrier. But man, that stuff's nasty to have. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't like working around that very much. I have to deal with that enough in my pasture. Yeah, yeah. Taylor juniper would be another one that might do good there. Uh, What kind of juniper? I'm sorry. Taylor juniper. They're uh, more of a slender. Uh, but real tall. They might be too tall if you're trying oh, to stay yeah, under right, wires. Right, right. Yeah. There would be some other juniper species that might stay, like uh, is it Densiformis? Is that yeah. one? That one would get pretty. Or no, that's yeah. a new. I'm that's not too new. familiar with the with the different cultivars that are out there. I think um, there would be some. If you that if you work. if you planted you and you planted like you got ten foot long, you said. Ten foot wide, about forty feet long. Forty feet long. So what if you you plant like two rows of you oh yeah it would definitely do that because i would probably mix in the species too for a little yeah, variety diversity. in case something comes in and knocks one out i got right. something left i, I think i could, think you got a good plan yeah, really, yeah and what you could do with a second row is do something that's a little maybe maybe deciduous type um like a service berry or bo- um not boxwood um privet that might because privet well privet might it's a little more evergreen type mm-hmm. yeah. um so those might work for you and it give you a little more interest between the two yeah all right well hey i appreciate it randy i'm just going to remind you since this is since this is a tree topic show yep. uh, you need to check out that song uh, lumberjack okay all right Monty python Monty P- okay <laughs> thank you see ya <laughs> goodbye Hi, Gary. Gary from Friend. Thanks for calling. Yes. Uh, my first question is, 
do cattle care for goldenrod if it's young in the spring? Pasture cattle. Boy, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Oh my gosh! We're plant um, people, not, yeah. not cattle people. Well, I, uh, what, what have you seen? What's happening? Uh, yeah, I notice I'm starting to get patches of goldenrod in my pasture, and we haven't sprayed much for any uh, broadleaf weeds, and so I'm kind of curious if cattle will eat them when they're young. Or should I start spraying them? Or should you get them out of there? Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's one that would probably require a little more um, um, uh, spending some time looking it up to see what... what, Yeah. uh, I I do not know if they feed on it. I don't know if there's any... I haven't heard of it being a problem for them. Um, But uh, whether it's palatable i don't know yeah. i think i would suggest um that you talk with either nathan mueller from he's from uh-huh. the saline county office or connor beeler is covering our area for uh the beef um specialist um uh-huh. for okay. now um so i think i would talk with one of those and um if you need to um we can get you a phone number for for both of those but i i don't know anything about what cattle eat yeah, Paul. Yeah, Paul this, right. I, this was I, a, all right. The uh, extent of my, my neck, knowledge is that I yeah, eat that that's fine. I can <laughs> I'll figure that out someday. Okay. And now my next question is, uh, could a person be spraying bindweed now? Um, Randy, what's the weather looking like? Yeah, it's um, it's eighties. Uh, okay. And and lower. So you can you can treat bindweed. You know, even through the summer with like glyphosate products, like your Roundup. Um, but if you're looking at using like a 2,4-D product, you want to make sure that we're 85 or below. Um, I think I would maybe push it off another couple weeks until um, we're closer oh. to the end of September. Yeah, we've got um, upper 80s forecast Sunday. Yeah. yeah, and that's not that wouldn't be good. Yeah. Uh, let me see, Monday, mid 80s on Monday. So I mean, I assume you were looking at a 2,4-D. Yeah, 2,4-D product. Right, yeah. Yeah. I think I would wait at least, you know, till the end of September, till we're a little cooled off, a little more cooled off. Yeah, okay. Those products just are pretty volatile. The question question there is, I'm fairly close to some uh, blue spruce trees. Yeah. Uh, Are they tolerant to 2,4-D products? I mean, I you know, I wouldn't spray anything very close, but let's say 20, 30 feet from them. That would be the reason you don't want to spray on a hot, hot day mm-hmm. because that 2,4-D will volatilize, which means uh-huh. it'll turn into a kind of a gaseous form and, and tend to drift off to nearby trees. Um, you know, you, you could get a little bit of damage on the on spruce and other evergreens. They they seem to tolerate it a little bit better than your broadleaf tr- trees do. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I would just, just make sure you're not applying, you know, those 2,4-D type products um, on the hot days. So yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hold off on that a little bit. 
Okay, that sounds good. Next question is, I've talked to you about some blue spruce I planted in the yard by some real old uh, pine trees, and they they were dying off, and we decided that we probably had fungus. And so I sprayed this spring three different times, about two weeks apart, and it seems to have uh, stopped it. But now uh, this fall has been uh, pretty wet mornings, and now we I got 65, 70 hundreds of rain That's today. Good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so should I do any fungus spraying? in the fall now or later no not this time are you spraying are you spraying the pines or the spruce well these would be uh, well these would be blue spruce yeah okay i think in needle cap probably yeah you probably we we are seeing some uh needle cast diseases in spruce um uh they do tend to be more of a problem when when we do have wet rainy weather but that's the infection period is usually um, earlier in the season, you know, spring, mm-hmm. maybe early summer. Um, this time of the year, uh, I think the infection is going to be very, very low, even if we do uh-huh. have rain. So, I, you know, this is not the time of year to be spring. So yeah. I just wait again until next spring. And and they usually do require at least a, at least a couple years of spring in a row um, to help but- get good control with that. Yeah, that's what it kind of looked to me. It looked like it stopped it, but it's still there, so to speak. Yep. Uh, So I can wait till next spring on that. Correct. Mm -hmm. All all right. Uh, I appreciate your show, and I'm glad I just barely made it in today, didn't I? You did fine. Thanks Thanks for calling. We appreciate Uh, it. And we'll be back with more Yard and Garden Live, but first a quick timeout. All right. Uh, let me see. Was it Stan from Chester? I believe it was. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. So. I just got my- uh, poop. I had it all ready to go. Then it went kapoom. <laughs> the lumberjack. <laughs> I had the lumberjack song all ready to go from Monty Python. Oh, so our, our uh, intro music wasn't yeah, Discover so Card? Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, so four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Did want to. What is uh, going on here? Hang on a second. So I wanted to ask you, Nicole, uh, about the army worms. Oh yes, oh, they're yeah. still they're still on the on the um, on the hunt. They're, they're, we'll call they're, it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. For more grass. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're still out there. Um, I've um, had a few more um, calls about it this week. Actually, I think I have one I have to return from yesterday when I was at Husker Harvest Days. Um, But uh, so they're still out there. So if you're noticing like fairly quick brown patches appearing in your lawn. Yeah. It's it's a pretty quick patch that it's just all of a sudden it's brown. Yeah. Um, And it would be irregular patches and a very distinct line from healthy to non-healthy. Yeah. And then if you go look at it, it's. Like you can like pick your grass up like it's a bunch of straw, God, yeah, in that brown area because they've chewed it off right there at the soil surface. So, 
So they um, they are they they are in the area. Yes. All right. And watch out for the egg masses. Okay. Um, Kate and I talked about those last week. Um, just making sure that you're checking around your yard, especially you know every couple of days, and seeing if you see any of those egg masses. So they're fuzzy. They're kind of a tannish. I was looking at them the other day, trying to just figure out how to describe them, and they kind of look like. Um, I don't know, maybe caviar or a bunch of pearls together. Okay. They're just like this like mass of like very small eggs that are kind of off whitish mm-hmm. color, but they're fuzzy. Okay. They're fuzzy. So well, that and yeah. you know fuzzy, fuzzy caviar. You yeah. Know? Hey. Kind of fuzzy <laughs> caviar. Yeah, I would say. And like you can find them anywhere. A lot of the calls were like on like soffits of the house. Yeah. Um, or, you know, things like that. So okay. just look around They'll and see They'll lay their eggs pretty much them. anywhere yeah. and, and yeah. smoosh them. Oh, poo. Oh, we just lost, we lost yes. Gary from Friends. I was talking right. too long. Oh. That's all right. Uh, oh, that was the guy from Chester. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's all right. Not a biggie. Um, uh, yeah, so just yeah. keeping an eye out. And if you find the caterpillars, they're like a gray color with um, like a darker black, almost blackish line down each, like longitudinal line down each side of the body. And then they have this white Y shape behind their head. Okay. And if you see those, um, they, you know, then you want to treat for those right. for sure. And if you see one, you're probably going to see a yeah. whole lot more, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for controls, most general insecticides will work for them. Um, permethrin, like eight, seven will work. Um, uh, those are the only ones. Oh, bifenthrin. bifenthrin. I, I was like, I know there's at least there's one other one I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of. Um, and so they'll, those will work on your lawn. Just make sure you're applying it correctly, you know, in accordance with the label. Um, but, yeah, if you're starting to see them, you're going to want a treat. Yeah. All so. right. So keep your eyes on your yard. If it looks like somebody's pulling a curtain of death across your yard <laughs> you, you kind of probably <laughs> want to go out and check and see it might if, be the curtain of if you could, might just have be and army in, worms in real high populations you may need to overseed that and we are mm, yeah like getting, a little past yeah. where i like to go but if it's just a little patch here and there you might be okay all right so. and we'll be back with more yard and garden live after a quick timeout. And we are back with Yard and Garden Live. Boy, it's just been a it's been a morning to to have visitors here into the control room, and uh, our first visitor, Ken, was in a mm-hmm. perfect gentleman. Yeah. And now we have John in the control room. That's probably going to throw the curve off a little bit. Uh, John McKee. Randy. Yeah. You know me, Randy. <laughs> John McKee keeps what? us all safe, and uh, uh, we try to. Yeah, lets us know when. When nasty, nasty weather is coming in, and you uh, brought some, you brought some stuff here. Yeah, these two trees are side by side. They're oak trees. You know what? I noticed that the other day. Yeah. This this one went from zero. It had fairly decent leaves. This one went from zero to this just basically overnight. Yeah, it was really strange. Um, you know, I that noticed one there was it. next to it. These aren't too far mm-hmm. apart. And that one's there. Well, the one has a major case of herbicide injury. That's for sure. Yeah, like I say, in our neighborhood up there, and Ken knows it too, Did that we've had some. Off? I just cut that off today. I was like, that, uh, yeah, nice fresh time. cut. <laughs> um, yeah. That uh, someone up in our area, who knows where or what, but uh, yeah, we had early herbicide damage because I got some other trees that mm-hmm. the leaves didn't look the best and, and that. And Randy and I talked about it too. So, um, so that I do know, but. You know, I do have another oak tree that's a nice leaf one. I didn't take a picture of it. 
it's close to these two and not a leaf was touched on it. Um, we treat these trees and have, I took a picture of the stuff here, this tree and shrub here. protect and feed. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, you know, we do this before they even leaf out in the spring. We've done that, you know, pretty much every year. This is the first year we've really had some issues. Is that a midocoprid? Eh. It's shiny. Where yeah, I would do that, wouldn't is. I? <laughs> and I should know better than that. But uh, there's, there's a picture of the two of them side by side. You drive oh, up yeah. 8th Street. And you know, I try to blame oh, the man. the neighbors, the but you know, brown. Randy's on the other side of all yeah. this, so I but, can't blame but, him too yeah, much. Well, you know, because I, I don't have any trouble with my asparagus is fine, and <laughs> you know, all, <laughs> all the stuff that I'm growing for you is okay. Yeah. But yeah, I noticed the tree the other day, and I went, "Wow, what happened?" Any ideas, there? thoughts, yeah. ideas? I, I I've left that one tree that's got the brown leaves. I didn't look at the end when I cut it to see if there was any life to it yet. I haven't scraped anything on the bark to see if there's any green to it. Um, it it's not in my way, and it's not hurt anything. I thought of leaving it till next spring. That's, that's Early nice. on, it did. Before it started this, I noticed a couple of weeks before, I got some shoots from the ground mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And yeah. now I'm wondering if that wasn't telling me something yeah. was going on. Yeah, it's not yeah. good when you see them to, to develop the water sprouts around the base because that's just a – stress mechanism unless it's like a maple right (laughs) they just do that (laughs) yeah yeah uh, you know uh when you see um symptoms developing very suddenly you know it it's um you know you need to kind of look back what has happened in you know recent weeks or even months well, and two years say, ago, it yeah, got, yeah, the, or, uh, yeah. when they were doing 8th Street, and the, the, the sidewalks we, we fought and fought with this one, they, okay. uh, the loader did brush the bottom of the tree, but it, you know, it continued to do fine and not any issues, so, mm-hmm. okay. um, and it was, you know, starting to cover that up. But so did, they, did they not put in a new sidewalk in through there? They put sidewalk, but they never interrupted any roots of that they tree. didn't have to dig down no they just took the top off and put the concrete on the ground okay, okay. so they just pulled old concrete off no. and put new it was on? new new con- new new when they widened h street they put the sidewalk on our on both sides okay so the sidewalk was on our side of the street they went through and they just they only cut you know just enough to get the the two befores in the ground and laid the concrete on top of the ground when they dug through there i never but, seen any roots that were but the sidewalk wasn't there previous no. So it could okay. have been that it damaged the roots from oxygen, right? There could have, yeah, or, there could have been something going on. Because it's about on. two feet, three feet away from yeah. the base of the tree. Yeah, yeah. Could have, you know, the the what people don't realize actually is that root systems of trees can spread a or long right. distance from the crown, and so uh, even though you may be some distance from a tree's drip line, you still couldn't be impacting root systems. Um, we see uh, examples of tree roots picking up herbicides mm-hmm. from long distances away because the, they have a root system, a root that actually extends into that area where the treatment occurred, and it picks up that chemical out of the soil and carries it up into the mm. tree. Um, so, you know, it, it's good to think about what's going on, yes, close to the tree, but also what may be occurring some distance from the tree as well. Um, you know, so it's hard right. to say what's going on here. You know, it's obviously there's been some, you know, soil disturbance there. Um, it, it, how long uh, these uh, trees? These trees were planted how long ago? I mean, they've been there. They've been there a long time. They've been probably ten. Yeah. Ten time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah, years. it does. How big it, were they when 
you planted them? They were small. They were small. They're just yeah. small. I mean, have they gotten good growth in yeah. the tank? They were okay. probably, what, yeah. five or six feet? Look that huge, and so that's what I was making sure. They Well, yeah. the one that died, again, it had trouble. Uh, it's been quite a few it, years ago that someone had started through McNish and on up our way, busting tr- you know small trees off as they walked mm. through. And um, nice. the you know we got this one back together and everything and thought we had it good and everything was looking good on it and now yeah this happened if so I figured it's something. not <laughs> yeah. it it doesn't have a chance so we'll probably just let it go till spring and then cut it down and I peeled that what we're bark gonna... it won't even peel it's, it's so dry so dry so dry okay. yeah um, it's been so that way if, for if they're if all what, of three, your branches weeks. are like that yeah I'm I not gonna say, come back yeah. Oh, good, some firewood. Yeah. 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 Not good, that big. but yeah. it's firewood. At least yeah. I got another tree that's fairly close that looks nice. And it's hard to say what the root system was like going in, too. If, mm-hmm. if there was pr- potentially a girdling root or a circling root, wasn't affecting the ability of that tree to pick up moisture for a few years. But then as that trunk expanded and got bigger over the years, that root, of course, isn't going to move out of the way. It's going to stay right there in the soil and that trunk is going to press up against it and press up against it until finally you're you're cutting off that that uh, flow of of nutrients. So I can't tell us that earlier, so we can get rid of it and do something different. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're slow to react. Yeah. 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 yeah, they try really hard to get through that, and yeah. they just can't. Sometimes. And then finally, you get yep. you hit that hot season of the year, yep. and it's like okay. And the tree's gone, you know. Well, watering isn't a problem so. because we've got lawn sprinklers and we put it? quite a bit. Of, so, I mean, we water, mm-hmm. you know, but. Um, then they're well mulched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I know what you're talking yeah. about, tree roots, because you look yeah. at disaster areas where the trees yeah. tip over. Everybody thinks that tap root goes forever, but right. a lot of it's just right there. It's and wonder, right yeah. why did that yeah. huge yeah. oak tree just fall down. over? Yeah. And yeah. it took up that big area. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they, when they, and when they do topple over, they'll pull up. A lot of real estate with them yeah. when they finally do. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, they wow, because they the, the the roots do yeah. stand so far with, out. Take real estate with them when they hit the house. Yeah, now, yeah the true. tree with the herbicide injury. I that's just that north was, of that yeah, one that and, died, and that's a lot of herbicide. And in the picture, it was pretty thin, mm-hmm. right? And so, I would just give it some time and see if it pulls through, but it. May that's not what I was going to do for next year. Mm-hmm. There, there's one right north of that across the driveway. Another oak tree that's been there probably as long as what Kim's talking about. It's been Eight. there forever. Yeah. It and it had some cup grow. leaves to it, but it wasn't like this. So this one took it worse than it took it, the it, other one yeah. did. And it didn't put on new growth no. is what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the oaks um, this year, you know, we saw them get hit um, in that early time frame when they put out for their first flush of leaves. And then they put on another flush later. So what you're seeing is the herbicide injury is further back. It's not on the end. This didn't put out any new growth past that, um, and it and it was thin. That tree was thin, so I don't. That may not be a long term tree either. Would you? Oh, we've discussed taking both of them out and planting yeah. something somewhere yeah. in between or something. But yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, the oaks are just so sensitive mm-hmm. to these herbicides that uh, it, it's it's looking pretty rough for for folks who have oak trees because. We're just seeing year after year mm-hmm. uh, symptoms of uh, uh, affecting that new leaf tissue coming out in the spring and potentially a you know yeah shot. Well, what is shot. it? The crabapple. Yeah. You've got those big trees on the south side of yours. Those, yeah. those even uh, those even good. showed that they were hit too. What yeah. kind so of trees are those, Randy? They're flowering crabapples. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
the, yeah. you know, the cup leaves and yeah, you don't see it early as much on, on those. But yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, just more education, I think, too, would be That's helpful. You know, yeah. people have got to put a rent, put the 240, the Trimec, just got to be yeah. put away. When, when it's, it's hot, start heating up, and that's why we wait until at least the end of September yeah. before we're doing yeah. any applications in the fall too. Yeah. It's just you don't know how many people out of my office that I explain that to, and you know they go home and spread. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know. And then they're in here talking to you guys. Yeah, what happened not, to this? No, one? no, I'm yeah. not a not a bit, not a bit. Yeah. I think we've got another phone call coming in. John, thanks for stopping by. We'll clean thanks. up. I'll clean up. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you'll dump it over my yard. Yeah, do that. You bet. You too, yeah, well, you're welcome. This is Kim from Crab Orchard. Our last call here on Yard and oh. Garden Live for 2021. Kim, what you got going on? Oh, not a whole lot. You know, work, but yeah. um, I just had a quick, quick question. Okay. Our lilac bushes are looking pretty pretty wimpy. <laughs> The last couple of years, they've been real thin. They haven't; their leaves have fallen off early. Um, when is a good time to just cut them down to the ground and let them grow back up? Mm. Right here now, yeah. In this fall time frame, <laughs> in the next okay. month or so, I think you'd be fine. Um, we usually go with a fall time frame for that. And you're talking a rejuvenation, right? Like a I'm hoping down to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Six to eight inches above ground and. Take them, um, take them out, and like you said, mentioned um, at the break, there might Lori, because um, we had talked with Nicole from the radio station here. Um, she's having some similar types of problems, and we wondered about like borers or something like that. There's also right. a leaf spot disease, a fungal leaf spot disease that they're getting. Um, the past couple of years, we've been seeing a lot more of that. Um, it's called pseudocercospora. Oh, man, I said wow. it right. You said it perfect. And so quick, too. That's a really hard <laughs> word. <laughs> um, and so um, those are causing some problems with them. And so like with the borers, you might do a little bit of um, like an imidacloprid um, product around them in the spring next year and see if that kind of helps pull them out of that as well. But cleaning them up like that will, can get rid of them, too, for, for a while, so. Anything else? And what kind of product did you say? Well, um, Nicole had mentioned imidacloprid. I probably would not use the imidacloprid actually because for a couple reasons. Um, it is pretty toxic to honeybees. Mm -hmm. So you've got a flowering yeah. shrub that's going to attract that's the true. honeybees. Um, so if it's you know you're picking up that chemical out of the soil, then it could transmit into the nectar and then be collected by the honeybees. Um, I actually think for lilac borer, uh, I would apply um, a, actually a stem spray okay. of permethrin. Um, Super 8 is probably what you might find um, in the garden center. Super 8 or high yield 38 plus. And those are permethrin products available for borer control. And permethrin is going to work probably better for lilac borer than imidacloprid would work. So, um, and that would be, you know, uh, if you're seeing uh, a lot of dieback on branches, you know, whole branches just dying back, then you may have some lilac borer in there. The other one was the pseudocercospora mm -hmm. blight. Um, we yeah, don't, I don't know I don't, if there's a treatment that you, you would need to use. You can use a fungicide, but... I don't think I would. I think I would yeah. focus, if, especially if you're going to rejuvenate it, you probably won't need the fungicide because yeah. it, it's not going it, to, I mean, if you get rid of all that plant material, you're not going to probably have a problem with it for a while. Yeah. 
um, and you know it's certain years and so like last year and this year have been great years for that disease to progress but not every year are you going to see that one right. your best bet okay. you got it the chainsaw mm-hmm. right yeah, just do yeah. that what rejuvenation. They want to cut them down anyway, so this will make him happy. But they will. I will make sure they grow back. Oh, they so will. When, when, you, when I use that spray, do I do it in the spring or do I do it after we've cut them back? That's in the, in the spring. That would be in, in the, the spring. spring. So, yeah, okay. you probably wouldn't need to to do anything with that until you're starting to see some potential damage. Foliage. Yeah, yeah I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even treat this. Yeah, this the spring. first, the yeah, first that, year or two, you probably wouldn't yeah, have too many problems you're gonna, with Yeah, you're going to have some nice new regrowth, and I would yeah. just not worry about it Yeah, for Until, a few okay. years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you, Kim. We'll you're talk welcome. to you next year on Yard and Garden Live, and we'll be back after this. And that's a wrap for Yard and Garden Live Man. 2021. Oh, Nicole? Yeah. Okay, that means it's got to cool down, right? Well, it will. <laughs> Wowzer! No, it's it's too warm for me. Is it? Well, it, it it's uh, we've got some cooler weather I'm on the way, <laughs> and I guarantee you, by the time we get together again, it will have gotten very very cold. <laughs> and by the time we get back together, I'll be like, oh, is yeah. it warm? Yeah, yet? no kidding, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So, I'm one of those that complains no matter what. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we want to thank you, Lori, for coming thank down. You so much. And uh, you know, I'm sorry, there's not you know you don't get the choice here. You got to come back next year. <laughs> sure, no <Yes>. problem. <laughs> I don't like I told you. I don't really give them very many options. Yeah, I'm know. like, when are you coming? <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, Nicole usually and I usually get together about February, mm-hmm. and we kind of look at the calendar yeah. and uh, then decide when uh, yep. when we will start and keep listening because uh, hopefully nothing else changes gets in the way. We'll be back next year for more Yard and Garden Live. Till then, keep it green and keep it growing.